Good evening and welcome to the Speak Easy podcast, your Sunday evening wind down and wind down. Today we have here with us in the studio audience, we have LaShawn Fairley. She's the ADHD cutie and a mompreneur and she's coming to us today to share some information with us on ADHD, understanding what the disease process is, what it entails, how to deal with it, resources, you name it, she has it here for us. So I am going to bring LaShawn up. Good evening, LaShawn. Good evening, Ms. Constance. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing just great. So, you know, I figured this would be the perfect time to have you on with schools starting back and so many children with this diagnosis of ADHD. So before we get into that, I would like for you to tell the studio audience who you are and what you represent. Okay. My name is Ella Shumperly, also known as the ADHD cutie. I am an advocate for adults with ADHD, specifically black single mothers of children with ADHD. As I myself have ADHD and so does my young adult son. So I advocate as much as I can for them trying to get our black women comfortable in just talking about it. Releasing the shame and blame that's been put upon them probably all of their lives. Mm-hmm. And just from being so misunderstood and not even understanding themselves what's going on in their brain. Because ADHD is a brain thing. It's not a behavioral thing. It's not a social thing. It is a brain thing. And understanding that is what I really try to bring to my audience. Okay. Well, kind of walk us through the age that you were diagnosed with ADHD. Okay. I was not diagnosed until age 50, which was about five years ago. Yes. That's what they call late late diagnosis. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. And And so kind of walk us through that. What was going on with you at that time? Okay. Um, I started getting comments on my work evaluations, uh, little snide comments here and there, maybe from friends, family, coworkers. And I started noticing that these comments were coinciding with comments that I kept seeing from my son's school on his report cards, progress reports, uh, meetings that I would have with them, etc. cetera. Uh, my son was already diagnosed with ADHD way back in kindergarten. So by the time I realized that I also had ADHD and got tested for it, he was already at the end of 10th grade. Um, and so it was just a matter of seeing a lot of similarities. Even though there are differences, there were a lot of similarities with he and I both having ADHD. But what a lot of people don't realize is that there are different types of ADHD. So just because two people have it or the whole family has it, that doesn't mean they're going to have the same exact symptoms. Okay. 
So just kind of walk us through with your son and when he was diagnosed and what kind of things were going on with him. Okay. Um, his issues started very early at birth. He was born what's called a very low birth weight preemie, which means he was under five pounds. He was only two and a half pounds when he was born and he was born two months early. He stayed in intensive care for a little over a month. And when he was released, he had to have special doctors for everything. And his specialty pediatrician told me from the beginning that because he was born so early and so underweight, he would probably have some developmental issues. And they probably wouldn't really start showing up until he started school. But they actually started showing up uh, like right right before he turned one. Because right around that age where babies are starting to crawl and walk, he was already struggling with that. And by that, I mean like, um, you know, babies are able to pull themselves up on the couch or a chair or something like that, and then plop back down on their bottoms. Well, he was not able to do that. He would just literally fall straight back like a tree. And I noticed him doing that a couple of times and he would hit his head and it, it just really freaked me out. So I called this pediatrician and she said, you have to remember that he physically is not supposed to be here yet. He's early. So you're going to have to actually show him how to do these things. Show him, get down on the floor, show him how to fall show him how to crawl, show him how to push himself up. I physically had to show him those things because his brain was not developed to learn it himself. Okay. And it just went on. Yeah, it just went on from there. So when he got to kindergarten, like his first, second week, his teacher noticed that he was just excessively hyper. I know most boys are hyper and so many people say that, oh, he's just a hyper kid. No, it's way more than that. Mm-hmm. So there were uh, behavior she, problems associated with that. Yes, where he just literally couldn't keep still. He couldn't mm-hmm. stay in his seat. Uh, it was very hard for him to pay attention, especially if it wasn't something that was interesting to him, to him, which is one of the key things for an ADHD brain. Our brains crave stimulation, and if we don't have it, we seek it. Okay. Our brains literally look to be stimulated. It, it, it's like toxic for our brains to be bored. Wow. Most people wow. don't understand that. They don't understand that that's what's going on in their brain, but that's what's going on in your brain. Wow. Okay. So, you know, my son was diagnosed at age probably eight. Mm-hmm. And the only thing they wanted to do was put him on medication. Well, you know, to me, the medication was not doing him any good. It was not resolving the symptoms. You know, for about two weeks, he was mm-hmm. a zombie. And then the behavior was back again. So I took yeah. him off of that. I took him off the medication because why give him something that's more of a harm to him and a detriment to him rather than help him? But some things the thing with that is- Go ahead. Go ahead. Because the thing with that is most doctors just, I shouldn't say most doctors, but some doctors just give a blanket diagnosis of ADHD and just give medicine that they think 
will help it or medicine that they know from the books helps it. But mm-hmm. there's different types of ADHD. So you have to give the right medicine for the right type. Okay. Okay. But what I found helped him was dietary measures. I changed some of the things that he was eating. Mm-hmm. And that helped him a whole lot. Now, is he still hyperactive? Yeah. Not yeah. as bad as he was as a kid, but yeah. And so Correct. because what people don't understand is hyperactive children grow into hyperactive adults. Hyperactive adults. That's right. That's right. It doesn't go away. And so it's a he matter of- does not go away. No. So it's a matter of teaching them how to adjust and teaching those around them how to adjust. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's talk and about- And when they're your- young, they don't know how- when they're young, they don't know how to control all that extra energy because that's what it is, mm-hmm. extra energy. And see, in school, in elementary school, they go outside now for, what, five, ten minutes? Where, where, when I was in school, minutes. we were outside for, like, 20, 30 minutes. Right. Five or ten right. minutes is not enough. Five or ten minutes is not enough outdoor exercise. And outdoor exercise is one of the best ways to help manage their ADHD symptoms. But because they don't get that anymore or they don't get enough of it, they don't know what to do the rest of the day with all that energy. They just yes. don't. Yes, I agree. I and they, agree. And they get in trouble for it. They get in trouble for it because it comes across as bad behavior, but it's not. It's they not. get in trouble for it, and they also become labeled because of it. And that's the yes. part that disturbs me the most. They become Absolutely. labeled. And it's something yes. that they have no control over, something no. that they cannot help. And so it's a matter now that, hey, practitioners and providers need to change their approach. Yep. Because medication is not the answer. It's not the answer. It's not always. It's It helps some, but I, I agree with you. I don't think everybody needs medication. If they change their diet and get exercise, some form of cardio exercise makes a huge difference in calming their brain and nervous system. That is wow. what they're going to see a difference in the behavior, in the actions, and even the thinking, their responses, all of that. A lot of the behaviors that they're seeing with ADHD are a result of um, deficiencies in their executive function skills. Mm-hmm. But those skills can be taught. But right now they just don't have them or there's a deficiency there, which most people don't understand because you don't really hear about executive function skills in ADHD. I didn't hear about no. it until my son was almost in 11th grade. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. He got diagnosed in kindergarten, and I'm just now hearing about executive function skills now, and they go mm-hmm. hand in hand, Miss Constance. Yes, they do. They do. They go they hand really in hand. They do. And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that because you struggle with executive function skills that you have ADHD. What I'm saying is, if you have ADHD, you definitely are struggling with executive function skills somewhere in your life, whether it's social, wow. economical, political, on the job, in your relationship. You are struggling. You may not realize it, but that's what's going on in your brain. And again, it's a brain thing. It's like there's a shortage in the wire, shortage in the circuit, or there's a break maybe. Or a gap. It's a brain thing. That's that's not your fault. That is not some. 
last time I checked, we have no control over how our brain was formed. It wow. is what it is. But you can learn the skills that you lack or that you're deficient in. So let's go back to being diagnosed as an adult. You know, let's kind of, you know, there's probably several adults out there listening today and they're probably going, oh my gosh, is that me? That me. Mm-hmm. That sounds like me. So kind of walk us through, you know, you mentioned about your evaluations on the job and the snide comments and so forth. And then you noticed a parallel between what was going on with your son, which you were seeing the comments from the school and you were able to identify that within yourself. So when you went to a, a physician, you know, what was the dialogue? You know, you just told them that you believe you have this. So what was the dialogue like? You know, what did they say? You know, what did they do? I, I talked to him first and he asked me, was there any history in my family of ADHD? I, I told him I didn't know because I didn't. I was raised in a foster family. So as far as my biological family, I didn't know. I did find out later that, yes, history there. And so with my son having it, he said, well, um, you do know that ADHD is highly hereditary. I said, no, I did not know that. He said, well, it is. So if you have children that have it, nine times out of ten, mother, father, or both have it. They may, re- they may not realize it, but they do. And a lot of times their parenting is ineffective because they haven't dealt with their own ADHD symptoms. You can't help your kid with his if you're not dealing with your own. But again, like I said, a lot of them don't realize that they have it also. Mm -hmm. They don't. Wow. So the kid could be hyper and bouncing off the walls, but because of our ADHD brains and we just... It just really gets on the nerves. I know it's like grinding gears. So you're hooping and hollering and sit down and be quiet. And and the kid can't do that. You're over anxious and overstimulated because of the kid. But it's all because of your ADHD issues are clashing with your kid's ADHD issues. But as the parent, you don't realize what's going on. That's the important piece. You got to know what you're seeing. You got to know what you're looking at. You got to understand how your ADHD brain and nervous system work. They're different. That's it. It's like having a Toyota Camry and a Toyota Highlander. They're two totally different vehicles. They work, operate, and perform totally differently. Same thing with the two brains. Wow. Wow. So you went to your physician, you told him what you were seeing. What type of treatment modality did he apply for you? Or did he even react right then at that point initially? I I was lucky. I did have really good um, pediatricians who took me seriously and gave me great advice, accommodations, recommendations. I've heard nightmare stories that were the opposite. But I fortunately did not experience that. So I did get a recommendation. I, I also went to Johns Hopkins after I took my son and got uh, an evaluation. They did recommend medicine, but I told them I wanted that as a very last resort. So my treatment is more getting more exercise, um, mental awareness, music therapy, diet, 
I'm still I'm I'm still kind of working on the diet piece because I like what I like. Don't we always? <laughs> I, mean, come on. I like what I like though, you know. Lifelong battle, okay? Um, Lifelong battle. But I can say I do better with the fruits and vegetables, even though I don't like them. If I put them in a blender and make it a smoothie, a good smoothie, then I'll do that. And okay. that, that's how I get my fruits and vegetables. And that's how I get my son to get it, too, because, you know, most kids don't like fruits and vegetables. But you put it in a blender, make it a really good smoothie, they'll drink it. But please don't let them see you make it. And for God's <laughs> sake, don't tell them what's in it. Don't be... Oh gosh! Don't tell them. Oh my God! Don't tell them all that. They were like, they were like, no, mommy, I don't want that. Yeah, no, don't tell them that. Wow! Yeah! Wow! Wow! So, how old is your son today? He is now nineteen. Okay. Okay. Nineteen, almost, almost six foot tall. So yeah, he's coming along very well. Okay. All right. He always did really well in school. He was very smart, very bright. And that was always the school's pushback. Oh, he's doing well in school. His grades are da-da-da-da-da. I said, but no, because all these comments I've been getting all through the quarter. Exactly. Every report card, no, there's something going on. He's doing fine now because I've had to push and push and... We have had to do all this makeup, and that's what happens. And as I was seeing that pattern with him, I would try to get in front of it with the school, meaning mm-hmm. I would meet with the teachers. As soon as I found out who his teachers were, I tried to meet with them, which isn't always easy. It's really too late to meet with them during that back-to-school thing that they have where you go to school and meet your kids. Teach. It's a little too late mm-hmm. for that because... Kids have already been in the school like two or three weeks. The seating chart has already been set. And a part of my son's accommodations were he needed to be seated in specific parts of the classroom and definitely mm-hmm. avoid other parts of the classroom. Yes. Well, if you wait until back to school, it's too late to do that. And most teachers are not, they're hesitant about moving their class around because they've organized the class to make it easy for them to get to know each kid's name. I but get that. If they go I ahead and, and do it that way to accommodate, that makes yes. it easier for them. Yes, that makes it easier for them in the long run. But right now they're thinking, I need to learn all these 20-some kids' names in my class. My thing wow. is, you also need to understand that this one kid right here in front of you has a 504 plan in his file that you know nothing about. You haven't bothered to look at it. It's two, three weeks in the school and you haven't looked, oh yeah, I, I think he's got one. No, you should know that. Mm-hmm. You should know that he has one and you should know what's in it. But unfortunately, the classrooms are so jam-packed and the teachers don't have uh, teacher's aides anymore. So mm-hmm. it's up to the one teacher to deal with the whole class, all these different personalities, and then you throw in your ADHD kids, you throw in your kids who come from bad environments, you throw in your kids that have these very traumatic upbringings. That's a lot for the teacher, so I get that part. But as a parent, my loyalty is with my kid. I need you to help me help 
him. Stop throwing it on him. Stop blaming him. Stop. Yeah. He needs help from both of us, from me and from the school. That was always my fight. That was always my fight because I always want to throw it back on, well, you know, he's not keeping up with his work. Is there something going on at home? I said, uh, no. But maybe there's something going on at school because I have noticed when he comes home from school, he's very withdrawn. He's very, he may be withdrawn or just not wanting to do certain things. I know my kid, and that's it. You've got to know your kid. You've got to know their regular behavior, their better regular patterns. And when there was a change, I immediately knew and I immediately called the school. For ADHD kids, any change in their normal routine can be very traumatic for them. A lot of teachers don't understand that. Something simple as... Having that kid change classrooms when they've gotten used to a teacher that they really like and that they're comfortable with can be traumatic for an ADHD kid. And they will start acting out. They're not able to verbalize yet, you know, that in their brain that that's what's going on. They're not able to tell you that. They're just not. But that's what's happening with them. You took away a comfort zone. You took away... A, familiar, a familiarity, a routine that they were used to, that they need. You took it away and you put something new in its place. It's going to take them time to adjust to that newness, whether it's a teacher, a new class, a new school, new routine. It is what it is. It's just, And the schools are not set up for that. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I know my son is coming up. You know, my mother would give me one list of instructions. She'd rattle them off one time, and that was it. You better yeah. get it. I couldn't do that with my son. I had to tell him mm -mm. one thing, let well, him go yep. that fast, and then come back. Okay, now. Yep. Did you do that? Yep. Double check and make sure she, he did it. Okay, now. Number two, let's go and work yep. on this. And even to this day, he is 24 years you old. still have to do it. three or four things. I have to tell him one at a time. Right. I yes. need you to Because our attention span, our attention span is like this. Mm-hmm. And right now, it's hard for me to just focus here on this show because of my environment. Everything is catching my attention. That's how our brains yeah. work. Everything catches our attention. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you're going to tell them to do something, you definitely need to make contact, eye contact, be face-to-face -face with them so they can see you. You're look They're looking at you. Parents make a mistake of going in the room and talking to their kid while they're on the game or on the phone. No. Can't I'm sorry, that. but they're not paying attention. They're just not. And they're not being rude or disrespectful. It's that, that their brain is so hyper engaged into what they're doing. They literally do not hear you. Parents are fussing and, oh, what am I going to do? Hey, you can play that game all day, but you can't. Okay, because the game is engaging. It stimulates their brain. And they're using a different part of the brain for that. It's not a cognitive thought thing where... 
they have to perform at this level and there's a time limit and you got to get the good grade in order to, you know, it's not all that when they're playing a game. Plus they're on it with their friends. They get immediate feedback. They win points mm -hmm. and money and all that other stuff that they get on the game. It's stimulating. It's all around stimulation. So if there's wow. a way to find, if there's a way to find, um, to do their homework and give them, some kind of positive stimulation in their assignments, then yeah, they'll do it. Even if you can let them listen to their music while they're doing their assignment, mm -hmm. they'll get it done. I used to think that it was a distraction. I used to make my son turn the music off or turn the TV off, but I found out it helps him to focus. Wow. And it helps wow. him to focus and concentrate. And they need breaks. If there's a long assignment, it, it could be assignment that you may think should take them 20 minutes. That'll take them 40 minutes to an hour. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. They need a break, especially when they first come home from school. Do not have them just sit right down and do their homework, no. do a report or whatever. Their mm -hmm. brain needs a break. Yeah, that's what people I did for my son. He come home and he people got that don't break. understand that it is very hard for the ADHD to mm -hmm. work all day in school. That is very, very draining for the ADHD brain because it takes a lot for us to stay focused, stay on track. Remember what the teacher said. Remember what the assignments are. Remember what we're supposed to turn in, what we're supposed to be taking, which books we're supposed to get out the locker and take to which class and which way the class is. Is it upstairs and down? That's mm -hmm. a lot for any student but especially an ADHD student. It's a lot of pieces, a lot of little things to remember, a lot of little steps. That's what I really try to get parents, teachers, everybody to really understand. Because it seems like it's common sense stuff, but again, you gotta remember it's a brain thing, that there is a dysfunction going on up there that they don't have the mental capacity. They just don't. Stop punishing, stop judging, stop yelling. They can't help it. They just can't. They can be taught, but they have to be taught in a calm manner, a calm atmosphere. Because if you're yelling and screaming, that's all they're going to get. Your message is going to get completely lost. How do I know? Been there, done that. Mm -hmm. They're not going to get your message at all. So you're going to end up screaming and hollering at them again tomorrow for the same exact thing. Why? Because they didn't get the message in the first place. Been there, done that. So, yeah. And, I, and, I because, they didn't, and because they didn't remember. <laughs> they didn't remember. They didn't hear you. The consequences. So they didn't hear you. Yeah. It, it is, it is all they heard was yelling. Yeah, all they heard was yelling. They didn't hear the words. They saw wow. your facial expression. They heard the tone. That was all. Wow. So let me ask you this, um, Lillian or LaShawn. So do you have any books or publications out currently? Or do you have any events coming up where you're going to be speaking on this topic? Uh, um, I don't have any speaking events. Currently, I am working with a couple of organizations. I really want to get into the schools and start speaking, especially high school 
and college because that transition from high school to college is very important. Mm -hmm. It's very important. And high school administrators seem to think that ADHD students or even students with executive functions uh, deficiencies can just do it. This is what you need to do. Just go do it. I'm like, um, d d you do know my kid, right? He can't just do that. He he, he needs some help. That that's that's one of the main things that ADHD people struggle with. With all these little steps, where do we start? How do we begin? They need that little extra handhold to get them started. Yeah. Wow. Especially when it comes to college, because co once they get to college. There is no support unless they get it from the disability office if the college has. And that student has to go on their own. There's no more mom intervention, no more uh, administration intervention, no advocacy, no attorneys, strictly the student. The college don't want to hear from anybody else. Exactly. They want the money from the mom. They want the money from the parents. But we can't discuss anything about what the money's for right. with the parents. Right. Everything is done through the kid. And for an ADHD kid, that can be completely overwhelming. They need an extra step between the transition and college to really help them to get ready. Wow. I used to work um, as a dean of a nursing program. And I had a student, and she just mm -hmm. was having a difficult time. And she came to me one day, and she told me that she had been diagnosed with ADHD. And I said, okay, you need to go to the Thanks. disability office and uh -huh. get some assistance. So what ended up happening, her doctor had to write out a structured plan for her. So whenever yes. she took a test, yes. someone had to read that test to her. And then she had to get, mm -hmm. to, it was like an hour long test. She got two breaks. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. two 10 minutes. Yeah, my son, had, my son had the same thing because he was in an academically accelerated program while he was in high school. So he was taking college courses at the same time. He got the same thing. He got extra time for all of his tests. He had a note taker, which I didn't even know they did. He had somebody take notes for him. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, then they type them out and they send them to him. You can ask for that. They're not going to tell you that, but you can ask for that. Oh, okay. Let's see, I didn't know that. Okay, that's a good they resource. Can ask for, yeah, they can ask for a study partner. They can ask for assistive technology if the college has it. And assistive mm -hmm. technology can even include having their um, their college textbooks on um on audio okay you know wow. audio okay they can ask for those yes they can ask for those kinds of accommodations but the college is not going to tell you that yeah the high school is not going to tell you that wow and see these are some very valuable resources that parents and students need to know need to know yes wow yes i wow. yes wow so what's on the horizon for Adrian, the ADH? I'm sorry, I keep calling you Adrian. LaShawn, the ADHD, Adrian. <laughs> the ADHD uh, cutie. ADHD cutie. I have put together 
women's retreat. And right now it is just for women. Uh, it, definitely with ADHD, but it's not limited if you don't have it. It's mm-hmm. for women who are struggling definitely with executive function skills, whether it's because of ADHD, head trauma, some kind of post-traumatic stress, epilepsy, any of that, because we're all struggling and having the same struggle as far as our executive function skills. I've put together this long weekend retreat, but it's a five-star luxury retreat. So it's not your typical retreat. These women are going to get treated like the queens that they are. Because nine times out of 10, they're not everyday life. Now, Husbands may treat them like that, but I'm talking from beginning to end, from the time they step off the plane from whatever city or state they're coming in, they're getting whisked away in a limo-style vehicle to this huge mansion, depending on how many people we have, will depend on how big the mansion is. It'll be a mansion or a villa. Mm -hmm. Um, They're going to have 24-hour butler service, They have maid service. We have uh, on-hand cooks who will cook three meals a day. uh, Happy hours, they get greeted with a drink and uh, a hello gift. We'll have sessions, of course, uh, but they're not going to be your typical talking and writing kind of sessions. We will do some typical talking, writing, but for me, that's kind of boring. I need something different. So it will be different. Um, Interactive, I'm sure. It'll definitely be interactive. I don't want to give too much of it away because it's it's just going to be just so different. I want them to come and really experience it for themselves. It's so going to be you fun, interactive, but definitely enlightening. I'm sorry? Okay. Do you have dates for this event I'm yet? I'm sorry. Do you have the dates for this event yet? Yes. Yes, man. The first one is set up um, in February. Let's see. Of course, now that you've asked me that, the dates escape me. Hold on. I can look it up real quick, though. But it's going to be the first weekend in February. And it's I put it on Eventbrite. Okay. And it's a, a free to be me workshop. Free to put this in the comments so people can see it. Free to be yes, the free to me restoration retreat. And then the you have the number two and the letter B. Information retreat. It's February second okay. through the sixth. Uh-huh. Okay. Number two in the letter B. February second through the sixth. Okay. Now, someone wants to get in touch with you. And how would they get the in link touch in the chat for you? Okay. Great. Because I'm sure there's someone listening who's interested and would like to attend. HD cutie. Okay. Uh, ADHDcutie at gmail.com. Okay. 
It's ADHDCUTIE at gmail.com. Okay, great. Put that in the chat also. Okay, great. All right. So, LaShawn, I want to thank you so much for sharing with us this evening and just providing the information that you have provided because it's much needed. It's definitely been an education for me. Thank you um, so much. Even though I've gone through it with, with a, a child, I learned more today than what I knew. Mm -hmm. So I thank you so much for sharing. And I'm sure the listening audience will appreciate this. We thank you thank so you. much. And thank you, everyone, to our listening audience for coming in and joining us today for the Sunday evening wind down and wind down here at the Speak Easy podcast. You could have chosen to do anything else, but you elected to spend this hour with us. I thank you so much. I'm Constance Woolard, your host. May God continue to bless you richly today, tomorrow, and always, and have a good evening.